This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. The title of our message this morning is called A Father's Day. Well, I wanted to start the, the message out, which is obviously called The Father's Day. And I'm dedicating this to my spiritual father, Chuck Solomon. And um, yesterday, the Lord told me, Chuck, that um, he's going to give me a poem for you. And so, even though you probably already got the poem via email by now, I still want to uh, read it to you. And it's called, I Think of You as My Father. I think of you as my father, the man who loved me true, the man who's sweet and tender. There is no one as dear as you. I think of you as my father through worlds of fatherless sons. Through darkness hits, though darkness hits me ever hard, you stand there as the faithful one. With crumbling identities all around, you teach me a principle that changes lives. To exchange oneself for the glory divine, to be a soldier of principled mind. With a heart full of gratitude, I cry out my song, for when weakness strikes like a scourging sun, I'll think of the man who gave me my song. I think of you as my father, a man who's loved me true, a man I will never forget and celebrate through eternity. And Father, I want to thank you for all the spiritual fathers in the world today. And our fathers, our earthly fathers, uh, oftentimes, Lord, just did not know what to do. They were misled, and no one really showed them how to train up a son, to train up a daughter. So, Father, I thank you for these spiritual fathers, and I thank you for the committed natural fathers that really desire to show how you are as a father. And I pray specifically today that you would bless my spiritual father, that he would be reminded by people all over the world what an incredible spiritual father he has been in and through his weaknesses. We love you, O Father, Abba, so very much and ask that you would anoint this message in Jesus' name. Amen. The Alpha and the Omega. The Father makes it clear that He is the beginning and He is the end. And when you look into an earthly family, a dad is the beginning and he is supposed to be the end. He is supposed to exemplify the Alpha and the Omega. Not so that he gets special glory, not so that he gets specialness above God the Father. It is that he's to exemplify literally the role of the Father for the children so God doesn't have to restore the hearts of the children back to the Father. Because when fathers do not have restored hearts, 
to their children and childrens do not have restored hearts to their fathers, the odds of them coming to Christ is not good. And if they're an elect person that is bound to be saved, a lot of times those people are on their deathbeds when they receive the Father through Jesus Christ. So the role of a father is, is very, very, very important. He is to represent the Alpha and Omega of eternity. So if we were able to find all the spoken and inspired words of describing God in the Word of God, we still would not come close to describing the Heavenly Father. It will take eternity for us to discover all the attributes of God. This is the primary reason why we should be excited about going to be with the Father and spending eternity with Him. I believe every single day. It's like, it's like Linda trying to get through her testimony today. It's an impossibility. There's too much. So it takes a relationship to enjoy the testimony of God that is unfolded in someone's life. Well, that's the way it's going to be in eternity with our Abba. It will take eternity to see how rich he is as an Abba. And to hear the endless stories. I got a whole list on my order blank of, of sons that I want to sit down and talk to who I see from a human standpoint really truly understood Abba. I believe Jonah understood Abba when it was all done. I believe Abraham understood Abba when it was all done. It... it, it all the turmoil and everything we go through in life is to understand that Daddy, Abba, is at the beginning of our lives and he's at the end of our life. Think about how boring it would be if we were told everything about a friend or a spouse at the very first meeting. And that's kind of what's popular nowadays is you do a background check for 35 bucks they do. I didn't. I didn't realize this, but this, this, these da online dating things. One of the industrialist types that go after these dating sites are these uh, research people who will do background checks on on the person you're wanting to date. They make millions off of background checks off these dating sites. Because they want to they have all the data up front. They want to make sure that they, have, they love the same kind of music, that they're not an ex-criminal. You know, they want all the data up front before they make a decision. When in reality, salvation takes time, friendship takes time, commitment takes time, and that only happens in life. So one of the key elements of finding intimacy is in the search for it. The more time we, we take to get to know a friend, a spouse, a child, or God himself, the richer and more intimate the relationship becomes. So much of mankind's sinful flesh wants everything right now. God is a God of perfect timing, and it will be in his timing when we come to know him completely. 
There was an event that took place in history. In fact, Time Magazine puts together these books that are about that thick, and they cover about 100 years of the most significant uh, events that take place in 100 years. And they put it in one little book, and they believe these are the events that really shifts and changes our culture here in America. Well, one of the things that I found in that book that I later did quite a bit of research on, and the man behind it, and now carefully watching his children, uh, is a gentleman by the name of Robert Schuler, And he started a drive-up church. It was the very first noted proactive statement of emergent church known to America. He was breaking away from the pattern of coming into a holy place and considering the ground that you walk upon as holy in, in the presence of God to just pulling up, turning on a speaker, and listening to the preacher preach. Have God now, like a drive-in theater. That did have a major effect on our culture. And now we have fast food God almost every single place that we look. So in your notes, I want you to write down, right now, this is, this is a homework on the spot, I want you to write down one sentence describing your earthly father. So just take a moment to do that. Whether it's bad, good, or indifferent. Okay, so as you're finishing those up, I'm going to tell you what statement I would have wrote down. The statement I would have wrote down is uh, that my father was never there. One day I was uh, working at Grace Fellowship in Denver. This is the ministry that my spiritual father started. And... I was having my morning devotions, and I was about halfway, barely halfway through my, my devotions, and I got up, and I went out, and I got a cup of coffee, and I started talking to the secretaries, and um, that tied me up for an extended period of time, and then I went back and tried to finish my devotions. After a pattern of this for several years my brother and I the brother that's a uh, pastor we were talking I said Pat I have this nasty habit that I'll get right in the middle of my devotions and I'll get up and go get a cup of coffee and go talk to someone he says I do the same thing I said well has God shown you what you know the reason why you do this and he said yeah I'm afraid of intimacy. If I sit too long, God has to break through this wall that I have put up. And as long as I don't break through that wall, I will never experience intimacy with the Father. So he says, I keep myself busy all the time, so I never have to break through that wall to experience the intimacy. That was one of the greatest ahas in my entire life. 
that when I get that agitated feeling I've got to go do something or stay busy or whatever is oftentimes, as I was sharing with you how I wrestled over your testimony to the right song, to the right message, to the whatever, as I wrestle through those things, I want to just quickly put it in place and move on. And God says, no, this is where I'm going to meet you. So many men in particular do not have quality hearing time with the Lord because their fathers were simply not around long enough to break through into intimacy. Now, you I think you guys already know this. If you sit with someone, this is why counseling works, by the way. And the reason why I don't do 45-minute sessions and I do an hour and a half sessions is because of this reason. After you sit with someone beyond 15 minutes, it immediately puts pressure on the, the two, three, or more gathered there, it, it breaks them down to start being intimate. Start talking about intimate details. Can you imagine an average guy not being able to sit still for 15 minutes to talk to God? And he's sitting in a counseling office for an hour and a half? You cannot avoid the topic of intimacy. Unless you're talking about war stories and Harleys and all that fun stuff. Which is what I do the first 15 minutes. This is why. This is why we have these little structural things in place to start breaking us down to get through that barrier. My father could not be in the same room with his boys longer than 15 minutes is what my brother and I discovered unless we were working but if it was just enjoying relationship uh uh 15 minutes before 15 minutes was up he was gone to the garage outside he was gone that set a pattern in my life not to be able to get through 15 minutes with God. And God is still saying, Stop! Let's get through this 15-minute barrier. When I went to visit Chuck a few weeks ago, he, uh, we did a lot of crying that week and a half. But after the board meeting, it was a very, very significant meeting for both of us, for the board. There was repentance. I called for people to throw their faces before God. It was a wonderful thing to see the commitment and all the stuff that God was doing. And I jumped up uh, from the table, and, and Dad turns around, and he puts his arms around me, and he just starts sobbing. And I hit this wall. If you hold someone longer than 10 seconds, it will either turn sexual or it will turn intimate in its deepest form. And I'm holding him and he is sobbing and he's not wanting to let go. So I'm like, ah, what am I? And I just snapped. I just broke and started to sob with him. 
You see, because he's been through that barrier many times. These are the kinds of rich things that we need to remember as fathers. And you don't have to be 80 to get to start practicing these things. You can start absolutely today. Whatever your sentence is, is either a wish, a hope, a truth of what you still want out of God today, or if it is not such a positive statement that you wrote, and it's a negative statement like I wrote, God will meet that person there and say, I will be a father to the fatherless. Then I'd open up my heart to let God use a man like Chuck to be my father on earth. It hit me this morning when I woke up. And when I think about it, it's emotionally a little bit too much for me. But when, I, when my father died, if you remember I told you the story, I threw myself over my father's casket, sobbing, and my brother puts his arm around me and says to me, we're all going to miss him. And I pushed him back and I said, I am not crying because I'm going to miss him. I'm crying because I won't. And now I'm thinking about another father who's getting ready to go on. And this morning when I woke up, I literally have had a visual picture in my mind of holding onto that casket, weeping because I am going to miss him. And God said, for healing, I have brought healing into your heart. He's brought closure through my greatest weakness. We need to open our eyes to see how God is exactly being a fatherless to the fatherless. Being a father to the fatherless. The original family didn't start with Adam and Eve. The first family was established in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the three archangels. And the three archangels had a third, each had a third of the angels. It was a pretty good-sized family. But that was the first family. It was, it was not what we are used to hearing. So here is the oneness of the us, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You had Lucifer, the archangel, who was in charge of worship. The reason why there's such an attack on drug, sex, and rock and roll is because our music, turning out to be drug, sex, and rock and roll, is because he was the one in charge of worship. The archangel Michael is in charge of warfare. And then Gabriel's in charge of delivering the messages of God. And each had a third of the angels. Still do, these two here. Well, so is that one. And his third is here. They're called demons. And they're just floating around doing their thing as prodigals that are never going to have the prerogative of returning to the original land. Bummer. But that's the original family right there. They didn't start with us. We're not that important. What God wanted to do is manifest his design by creating a mirrored image. And that's exactly what he did. 
Many modern views of family completely rape the world of the true reason and purpose of a godly family. Because of man's sin, he, she has made serious modifications to the original design. The design of heaven is not restrictive, but freeing and perfect. God has never modified his view of family. If he did so, it would, it would be giving in to the plan that Satan had in stealing the role of the father. You see, this has always been about dads. Always. A friend emailed me and said, the boycott is becoming successful. Lifeway, and I'm going to say this online, because I want people to hear it. Lifeway is a very, very large publishing branch and also bookstore that is mostly known by the Southern Baptists, but it is known all over the world as one of the best bookstores out there. And Lifeway has agreed to join the boycott. They're boycotting NIV. All of them. As you know, they're coming out with an animal version in 2015. At least that's the debate. So it's gone wild. They're straying farther and farther and farther away from the original design and they're turning this, as a preacher said in Ohio, he says, the new NIV to me is nothing more than a feminist documentation or doctrine. Well, it is. Because Satan wants to destroy this design. Not because he cares about husbands and wives. It's because it will stop children from coming to God. The reason why children are rebellious is because their fathers are rebellious. That sin gets passed down and they think they're watching their mommies. Mommies can abuse their children. This has been proven in social services. Mothers can abuse their children for years. And those kids will still love their mothers. But if a father lays his hand on a child once, that child will never forget it. It's the way we're designed. The impact and role of a father is so incredibly significant because it is the bridgeway to salvation. If you are saved, you and your household are or will be saved. Satan knows these truths. The original family is not about to be broken up by an angel who thinks himself to be a father. Duh. Well, it's not a duh to Satan. He thinks he is the man. He thinks he is the father. In fact, Jesus Christ himself called him a father. What did he say to the Pharisees? These, you know, religious fanatics. What did he say to them? You are of your father Satan well you see Satan did get something accomplished and I want us to take a look at it he will not offer his seat to anyone angel or man God the Father considers it a major violation for any being to attempt to be like him or to take the role of the Heavenly Father 
When you become the sugar daddy of life or even your family, you are challenging the hand of God. If He offers you grace to reach your heart and you stick it to Him by saying, I'm the man, the next lap will not be grace. That is how serious God is about no man shares my glory as Abba. Most men are glory thieves. They steal the glory of Abba every day, all day long. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, original family, this worship leader, and the reason why statistics prove that worship leaders are the first to go bad in church leadership is because of what you're looking at. You need to pray for Chris Tomlin. You need to pray for Jeremy Camp. You need to pray for these men and women because they are the gateway for destruction of the church. Just as this became the weak link to the church. He rose up and dared to stare God in the eyes and say, I can do what you do, but better. There was no 40 hours of therapy going on here. He said, I would never, ever say that to God. My question is to every one of us in this room and everyone listening online is, do you say this to existing authority figures in your life? Because here's exactly what God said in Romans 13, verse 1. All authority that exists, exists by God. He who resists this authority, resists me. Then he goes on and talks about condemnation coming down upon you. You don't even need to get this diagram. Blow it off. File it away. Act like you never saw it. If you are resisting present authority anywhere in your life, you are resisting God. You are staring him in the face and saying, I can do that better than you. And God's like, read the hand. In fact, gone are you. There was no 40 hours of therapy. There was no you have a choice. When you step over the line and look into an authority's eyes and say, I can do this better than you, it is you are gone. Because that evil will enter into the camp. So God says, gone. And he fell from heaven like a bolt of lightning. Like a falling star. And where did he fall? Into a particular tree that was created for him. And he was bound to it. Personally, I believe he's still in the tree. And I believe the new Babylon will be built around that tree. But that's a whole different topic. But this is what happened. Someone who decided to be the father. Can you imagine how many women are running around the world today saying, I can do his job. Really? You're spitting at God in his face. 
male or female, child or adult, when you say, I can do dad's job. No, dads do dad's job. Satan knows that God's order of conducting business is the only way. He, he knows that. I just can't imagine him not. After all these years, not centuries, light years. We don't know when God formed these angels, but I doubt it's 5,000 years ago. It's been going on a long time. He understands that God is the Supreme Father and Christ is the Son, the only Son, and the Son only says what his Father tells him to do, John 8, 28. Here is Jesus Christ, the very one we serve and worship, and he's, and he's saying, what you see me doing is not me. It's my Father. It's upon his initiative. When you see me, you see my Father. The way daddies communicate to their children that principle is said, I submit to Chuck Solomon. You see what I mean? He's my spiritual father. I say, yes, sir. Why am I contemplating and going through this whole process of taking the successor seat of him? Because he's my spiritual father. I have no other goals but to fulfill his goal. Do you understand that? That's how God views this. Jesus had no other role but to say, of course, Abba, I will fulfill your goal, your aspiration. Well, Satan comes on and goes, are you kidding? Don't believe that crap. I want you to come up with your own thing, your own idea, your own concept of leadership, your own whatever. Well, let's have a drive-in theater. And that's what's happened. The whole world's gone emergent because we will not keep this intact. Because it makes us feel like a puppet. Jesus Christ is nothing more or less than a puppet. It's just that we think puppet's a, a bad word. It's a great word. God has his hand up Jesus' life and says, speak when I speak. Move when I move. That's what it says. It's okay to be a puppet for Jesus. Not for anyone else but for Jesus. Why? So the word of God can easily flow down. But if you, if you have one resisting, it, it, it just doesn't flow so well. So in God's order, he tolerates no roadblocks. That's why there was no discussion with Satan, no redemptive terms offered just out because nothing was to stop the word from going to his son going to the Holy Spirit going in through the angels and Gabriel carries out that truth into the prophets the prophets into those priests and the priests into the fathers of the home 
from the fathers of the home into the wives, washing the wives with the word, from the wives into the children, and the children treat the dogs nice. That's how it's supposed to be. And God tolerates no resistance. If there is, the man has to be dealt with. So therefore, correction is kind of good. You know what I mean? Heart failure is kind of good. Etc., etc., etc. God took the design of heaven and mirrored it on earth by setting up the order in heaven through Adam and Eve. Simple plan. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, children, which are Adam and Eve that God created. Trinity, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Adam, Eve, husband, exemplifying the role of Christ, wife, exemplifying the role of the Holy Spirit, children, mankind revealing God's order. There's 225 names of Christ, and they're all Hebrew and Greek masculine words. Duh. Well, it's not a duh anymore. We actually have a translation that has removed all 225 of them. We better be boycotting that Bible translation. We just turned Christ into a Shem, into a transvestite, to put it bluntly. He has no masculine qualities anymore. We just removed 225 names of the living Christ, who is the son of a male God, Father. The Holy Spirit doesn't have names. The Holy Spirit has adjectives. Healer, nurturer, caretaker. There's eight of them. They are the same Hebrew and the same Greek words that describe woman. Duh! This is not a surprise to God. So to keep the original text female, these are feminine Hebrew and feminine Greek words. These are all masculine. These are all parental. I think God is setting something up here for us. So the children will not be confused and running around with long hair and makeup on their eyes and their little boys. And are they little? Are they? He, she, who are they? I've had two clients that have had sex changes. Who are they? It's because of this is being adjusted by Satan. He is angry. He's angry, angry, angry at that design. And he will not stop. I can guarantee you. A thief always goes for the father first. Since Satan has no ability to know the mind of the father, he does what, he, what is predicted. He attempts to steal the role of the father in Adam and Eve's life. He knew the only way he could function in the role was to break the connection between the father or God and his children. So that's what he did. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they created Adam and Eve in the image of the us. He knew how this whole system worked. He had to get into this role and become the father of lies. So he could be the father of these Pharisees or anyone else that was born. So that's exactly what happened through the whole thing with the fruit and, and Eve. He, he went through the, the weakness of Eve and he knew that once the woman was down that Adam would soon follow. So he knew how it all worked. So that's exactly how he did it. He went through Eve to get at Adam. He does it backwards because God always goes through Adam to get to Eve. Backwards. He's always backwards. It's predictable. He did it. He moves into place. And the future generations were born. Now get this. Were born physically. I'm not using a spiritual illustration. Were physically born children of Satan. Do you understand that? When you're born, you're born in sin. That's a sweet way of saying it. That's a nice way of saying it. You are born with this guy as your father. That's why you have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and become a Christian. So there can be an exchange life. And this is a horrible thing to look at. Lie to your children and you'll see the cost when they get older. Children need to be grown up with this truth. Jesus looked at these grown up little boys and said, your father is the devil. He wasn't trying to make them feel guilty. He was telling them the truth. And there were some Pharisees, if you remember, one of our favorite, Paul, who got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. We have the wrong father. Hebrew definition of redeemer is next to kin. Is that not cool or what? So when God renamed me and called me Stephen the Redeemed, He's saying, Stephen, you're my next of kin. <laughs> this is too much. I am adopted. I am his next of kin. I am his child. Couldn't ask for a better kin than being that kin to God. And that's exactly what happened to me and has happened to most of you. And God the Father through the death of his son, pushed Satan out of my life, he took his original restored position of the representative of the Father. So now I can have a direct relationship with the Father through Christ. Simple deal, huh? And he's over there going, okay, I lost this one. But I am certainly not going to let Finney realize the truth of what just happened. 
So I'm going to lie to him to think I can still come over here and take this spot from Christ. You know, if Christ was to stand and draw his sword on Satan, and Satan was to draw his sword, the only thing that's going to come out of Satan's pocket is a pocket knife. I will give him this. He's quite good with it. That is, if you let him get close and uncomfortable. But Christ in his drawn sword, there is no competition here. He will win. Sword down. He knows this. But stupid is as stupid does, and he's going to go to battle with the pocket knife called the Battle of Armageddon with Christ someday, and he will learn that his pocket knife, he's not as good with his pocket knife as he thought he was. He's nothing more or less than a gangster. And that's what a gangster is, a representative of a knife. Pocket knife. Big shot. Not so big. But he thinks he is. I know a lot of men that live like that. They are representatives of this guy right here. Pocket knives. Gangsters. When Christ says, I will restore the original trinity of family. But you have to have the exchange life. You have to make an exchange. He doesn't force himself on any woman. And we are the woman of Christ. He's a gentleman. Redemption means deliverance from some evil by paying the price or a price. It is more than simple deliverance. Thus, prisoners of war might be released on payment of a price, which is called ransom. And the word from the Greek was formed specifically to convey that exact same idea of a ransom being paid. Christ came to pay the price. Do you know that in order for a man to come and ask for the hand of a daughter from a father, he has to pay a price? And also there has to be a dowry. It is a business exchange. This is no different when it came to Christ having to come and deal with the enemy, who was a father to this depraved daughter, who is soon to be the bride of Christ. So I want you to remember this. This is very significant. Even though we don't do marriages like this anymore, sad to say, we actually steal brides from their daddies. We don't seek permission or do a business exchange. We don't pay ransom as men anymore. We steal. We become the thief of authority. Christ himself had to come and deal with his father. He was the son who wanted to marry this woman, Steve Finney. I, I, I want him as my bride. So he had to go to this father of lies, this father of Finney, and he had to pay the ransom. And he did. And that ransom was paid, and that father had to release that woman unto Christ, and now I become the bride of Christ. Marriage is the salvation story. So it's no wonder 
Satan's got it all confused in the world. So I hope now that you can see the importance of why Satan works so diligently at stealing the role of the father and attacking our earthly fathers so that the children will be embittered to God and the father. Satan wants as many takers to go with him to this place of torment as he can because his ultimate fear is to fear the fear of isolation and loneliness. No one loves being alone. You might for 15 minutes. You might for an hour. You might for a week. But no one likes being alone. Sin always follows loneliness. Unless you know Christ. Unless you know you're not alone. Unless you know that you are the bride of Christ. Therefore, you're never alone. Therefore, sin can never follow loneliness. But if you're not saved and you're not the bride of Christ and you have a lonely day, you're going to sin. You are going to find something to fill that loneliness. You're going to be a taker. You're going to be a thief. You're going to steal from the father. Usually, men steal another father's daughter. It's called adultery. Fornication. Now you can do it by graven imagery. Whereas before it had to be lust on the street or by physical form. Here's our prayer for today. Dear Father who is in heaven and the center of my heart, I ask this day that you take my mind, will, and emotions and yield them to the Holy Spirit for discipline. I ask that you cause me to focus on you today and not on my circumstances. I tend to be selfish and centered upon my problems. I reject this selfish way of thinking and yield to you as my Father. I pray that you would use this lesson today to renew my mind and to move me to take action on all that you ins your inspired word reveals to me. I pray that you will post angels at my door, the door of my heart, keeping me centered on the way, the truth, and the life of your Son. As you reveal your attributes and characteristics, I ask that I will not view them as just words, but that I become transformed as a result of hearing them. I thank you this day for hearing your humble servant, healing your, hearing your humble servant, and I choose to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. This prayer, as you know, is printed on the back side of your notes. I would give this about 24 hours, 48 hours, to let the Spirit of God settle it in, like water being poured upon a plant, give it a little time to soak in, then look at this prayer again in a day or two, and pray it. And ask God for the sincerity of what it really means to him to have a yielded heart to a father. Heavenly and earthly as I view Chuck. There is a direct connection all the way down 
to the dog. And if you're missing pieces, you need to get those links straightened out with God or you're going to turn out as an independent father and with independence, sin always follows. Be a puppet for Christ's sake. It will save your life from turmoil and anxiety. And if you think you have a good handle on your own turmoil, wait till your children grow up. We learned that it didn't even start until they grew up. It was easy when they were rebellious and coloring on the walls. But when they start coloring on the lives of the hearts of people and stealing from human lives to stealing human things, the agony is too much for a parent to bear. And that is what God the Father experiences with us. If you think that he sits on his throne and he does not feel the pain of his babies, you don't know him. He feels it all. And it hurts. And he's pleading for yielded lives. And he gave us his son who's safe and paid the ransom so that we don't even have to question the issue of trust ever again. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.